This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. It's lovely to be here. This is sweet. What a sweet sangha. This is fun. Yes, my first time here. So, um, so, so the topic for tonight, I, I love the series when, when Jennifer invited me to come and give a talk at the series and, and, uh, she had chosen the, the theme, the, the, um, the topic um, from the f- very first verse of the Dhammapada, which is one of my favorites. It's just beautiful. And I thought, wow, there's so many places one can go with that. And, and I, I trust that you're going to have a really wonderful series if, if, all, if everybody comes and talks about that theme and starts there. So, so I'd like to just start by um, reading that again and just letting it wash over us, the words of the Buddha. It's so beautiful so profound. So, and it's also really important that the Dhammapada starts with this. This is the first thing the Buddha decided to say. So that to me says it's pretty darn important. <laughs> Pay attention. So here we go. All experiences preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a corrupted, corrupted mind, and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. I think just that, the instructions, are pretty profound there, the difference between speaking and acting from a corrupted mind. And for a moment we'll just, we won't decode that, but whatever decoded, uh, corrupted mind is, as opposed to a peaceful mind, a mind that is peaceful, that is spacious, that is calm, it can have a very, very profoundly different different uh, result. and. And for that, we just have to check into our own experience, right? So think of a time when you had, your mind was at peace, and somebody said, said something that otherwise would get on your nerves, but you were in a pretty chilled, spacious place, for example, right? And they said, and you're like, okay, I don't have to respond to that, or something like that, right? There was just spaciousness, there was calm. How, how many people can think of something like that? Yeah, in your experience. Yeah. And now think of a time when you're already kind of agitated and you're kind of anxious or you're upset and you had a bone to pick with someone and they came and said, good morning, you're like, ah! <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's just call that corrupted mind. <laughs> you, 
it's, it's the opposite of peaceful mind, right? We don't have to get too technical and try to tease it apart, but it's, it's the mind that's already agitated in, in different ways. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have uh, peace. Um, that's a part of it. And um, so, so the topic that I chose to, to speak about today um, in the series is taking care of ourselves, taking care of others. Um, because when we really take care of our own mind, when we take care of our own heart, we are also taking care of others. So when our mind is, is at peace, when we're taking care of the quality of our own mind and heart, we're not just taking care of ourselves, we're, being, we're both being really, really good guardians of this body and mind that we've found ourselves in, in this world, right? It's, it's kind of actually miraculous being alive, being here, even sitting here, we've just found ourselves in this body, being able to think, see, hear, have agency. I mean, it's pretty miraculous. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't come with an instruction manual, does it? No. You just have to kind of figure it out. And for, for, for us, we, we've, we've discovered the Buddhist path as kind of an instruction manual as to how to figure out, oh, this mind, or how to work with it, how to be, how to take care of, how to tend to our mind, to, to our heart, and, and that way, by, by being the guardian of this mind, this body, that just, ta-da, here's me. <laughs> um, just being a guardian and taking care, taking care, like a good dear friend, like a dear friend being our own best friend. Um, yeah, I mean, in a way, consider that you've been, tr- you've been entrusted with this valuable, valuable, vastly priceless gift that is you. You have been entrusted with yourself in this world. You've been ent- entrusted to take care of this body, to take care of this mind. It's a tremendous gift. And by, and so we're all trustees. We're trustees of this mind and body. And by taking care of this mind, of this heart, we're both taking care of what we've been entrusted with and also taking care of others, which I'll talk more about how taking care of ourselves is taking care of others also. So, in terms of taking care of ourselves, I also wanted to bring in another sutta which relates to this, and that's one of my favorite suttas also. It's uh, from Samyutta Nikaya uh, 4719, and it's the simile of the acrobat. How many people have heard the simile of the acrobat? Great, yeah, a few people, awesome, great, yeah, oh, yeah, great. So, um, so first I'll read the simile of the acrobat and then we can talk about it a little bit in terms of how it relates uh, to taking care of ourselves and others. So, so it starts with the magic words, thus have I heard, thus have I heard, at one time, the Buddha was dwelling among the Kosalans in the Simsapa grove north of the town Sedaka. 
I kind of like how they give the time and the location in these suttas. It just kind of makes it real so that, you know, it's like real. It's human beings. This is what was happening. At the time, the Blessed One said to the monks, In former times, there was a teacher of acrobatics done in dependence on a pole. Okay, that basically means an, a pole acrobat. But translated with kind of archaic English, into archaic English. He placed the pole straight up on his shoulder and told his disciple, getting up and down on the pole, you protect me and I will also protect you. Protecting each other, we will put on a show and gain much wealth. So basically this, this acrobatic teacher, senior teacher is telling his disciple, okay, you get on the pole, get up there and I'll take care of you and you're going to take care of me, and this way we'll both be safe and we'll get rich. You know, we'll, we'll put on a show. But then the disciple says, I'll continue with the sutta, then the disciple of acrobatics said to the teacher of, ac- to the teacher of acrobatics, it won't do. Okay, all right. So... The, the disciple is disagreeing with the teacher. So let's see what he has to say. It won't do, as you said. Instead, we should each take care to protect ourselves. Like this, we will put on a show and gain much wealth. We will be physically at ease, and yet I will get down safe, safely. So the disciple says, no, 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 no. You don't take care of me. I don't take care of you. We each take care of ourselves, and therefore... We will, um, we will uh, put on a show, gain much wealth, and physically will be at ease, and that way I will be safe. So, and, the, and then the teacher answers, it would be interesting to say what the teacher says now. It's like, no, you're... Okay, let's see what he says. The teacher of acrobatics said, as you said, we will take care to protect ourselves. This is correct, and is also the meaning of what I said. So the teacher says, yeah, you're right. That's what I meant to say, but you're actually right. Um, Well, I'll take care of myself. You take care of yourself. This way we'll both be safe. And then, let's see what the Buddha says. The Buddha says, and then, of course, the Buddha is telling the story. So the Buddha says, having protected oneself, one right away protects the other. When protecting the other and oneself, this is protection indeed. That's interesting, right? It's an interesting view, interesting perspective. So protecting oneself, one right away is protecting the other, and protecting the other and oneself. This is pure protection. I'll read more and then I'll decode it more, but but put this on a post-it note for now. So... The Buddha says, how does protecting oneself protect others? Becoming familiar with one's own mind, developing it, protecting it accordingly, and attaining realization. This is called protecting oneself protects others. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, that's, that's, that's profound. So by becoming familiar with what your own mind, developing your mind, protecting it accordingly and attaining realization, attaining freedom. 
This is called protecting oneself, protecting others. And he continues, how does protecting others protect oneself? By the gift of fearlessness. That's just so beautiful, right? You're giving others the gift of fearlessness so that they're not afraid of you. You're protecting them in this way. So let me read the whole thing without expressing my enthusiasm mid-sentence. Okay. How does protecting others protect oneself? By the gift of fearlessness, the gift of non-violation, the gift of harmlessness, by having a mind of benevolence and empathy for the other. This is called protecting others, protect oneself. And that is beautiful, right? So by giving others the gift of fearlessness, they don't have to be afraid of you. You're a safe person. They don't have to worry that you're going to shred them to pieces, right? Be nasty or mean, say, say unkind things, for example. The gift of non-violation, not, not violating um, their space or whatever it is, their property, their mind, um, the gift of harmlessness, basically not being, not harming the other. Um, having a mind of benevolence and empathy, that's how it is, this is called protecting others, protect oneself. Because in this way, when you have a mind of benevolence and when you don't harm others, right, you're protecting them, but really you're protecting yourself. You notice when, when for example, you, you, um, if you remember a time that, um, you know, you did something that, oh, you're not quite proud of, right? It seemed like it wasn't the kind thing to do to someone. Um, not o- not only have you not protected them, you have it's 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 you haven't protected yourself, but um, it's really, it's it's that regret that continues for a long, long time. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'm going to pause here and tell you a story. Actually, so this is an old, old story uh, from about, I would say, 20 years ago or so, um, longer. Um, it's before I had, had started this practice, even. So, and I wish I had these tools at this at that point. But anyway, so there was a situation that uh, came up, and I felt that... Um, and the situation was someone I knew and, and I was working with, I felt that they were promoting an idea, a concept, um, in a way that wasn't very ethical. And and I was very upset and, and I was getting really, in my, in my head, I was really suffering and, and I was getting pretty self-righteous about it, actually. Like, why are they doing this? This is not right, that they're being greedy, blah, 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 blah. And at the time, what I did was um, decided to talk to someone else who was, you know, higher up in a position of power and, and confided in them, and, and they helped, you know, uh, with the situation. But I realized what would have been a much better idea because I really caused myself a lot of pain, and also I didn't probably didn't handle it very well. But what would have been the best way is to actually have a mind of benevolence, like. Maybe she doesn't realize, or they don't realize what's happening. Or why don't I just have a conversation with this person instead of self-righteous, like this is unethical and they're not doing this right? And, right? You see the mind state. So, so 
I wish I had done that. I didn't. But anyway, this was on my conscience. I hadn't, by not protecting them, I hadn't protected myself. This was on my conscience and my mind. So years and years later, um, I saw this person again, and I apologized. I reminded them of what had happened like 20 years ago, like this, and said, you know, I didn't really handle that well. And the person was kind of like, what are you talking about? They, they couldn't even remember. So I explained it. And then very kindly they said, obviously this has been more on your mind than on my mind. So that's an example of, of me not protecting another person. Had I been more benevolent, I protected them, and I had protected my own mind from all the chaos, all the pain, all the... Are you familiar with that tape? <laughs> oh yeah. I would have protected my own mind. So that's the kind of example here, protecting others protects oneself. And of course, protecting oneself protects others. Um, going, going back... Actually, well, let me finish the sutta, and I'll go back to the, to the point of protecting yourself protects others. So, um, a couple more pieces uh, about this. For this for this reason, monks, you should and, and monks or practitioners, and you're all practitioners. For this reason, practitioners, you should train yourself like this. Protecting myself, I will develop the four spheres of mindfulness. Protecting others, I will develop the four spheres of mindfulness. When the Buddha had spoken this discourse, the practitioners who had heard what the Buddha said were delighted and received it respectfully. So going back to this other, the um, how does one protect, how does protecting oneself protect others by becoming familiar with one's own mind, developing it, protecting it accordingly, and attaining a realization. So, so by basically by recognizing, by protecting our own mind, by and, and what the Buddha offers here is the practice of mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness. So by practicing mindfulness, so, so knowing what the contents of your mind is, what is happening, what, instead of, for example, being in this tumultuous uh, ocean of worry or anxiety or ill will, etc., knowing what is happening, Having a calm mind, you can both protect yourself and protect others. It's it's also a sense of um, it's offering safety. It's this sense of protection is also a sense of uh, offering safety both to ourselves and others. Um, I mean that that aspect of fearlessness and safety, um, and you know when when we say the met, when we do practice of metta loving kindness, have you noticed that the first phrase is "May you be safe" or "May I be safe from inner and outer harm"? Who causes the inner harm? <laughs> right. I mean to think about inner and outer and I. I, I sat a retreat, three, uh, a month-long retreat myself three years ago, um, uh, and I did an entire month of metta and Brahma Viharas, and I really connected for the first time. I really connected with that phrase, 
May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. Um, realizing that, you know, for the most part, we live in a pretty safe society. There, there's no civil war going on, right? It's relatively safe. Of course, anything can happen any moment. You can be hit by a truck. But most of the harm that is caused to us tends to happen by, it's the inner harm that we cause ourselves. Um, and I remember really connecting with that phrase on that retreat and also um, having the sense of complete, I mean, the, what, what I also love about sitting retreats, if you haven't yet, if you have, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I hope you do sit a retreat and taste it. Because I think retreats, sitting retreats, the, 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 the silence, the, the, um, the continuity of practice really allows us to see what, what, it, what is possible, the extent that the, um, what is really possible, the, 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 um, the extent of our mind getting calm, for example. And on, on this retreat, my mind was so, so calm, and there was such a sense of safety. There was a complete sense of safety. My mind wasn't attacking itself with judgments, with worries, with anxiety. There was just a complete sense of inner safety. So, which really helped me appreciate, I mean, that's not my mind usually in daily life, but it was just so interesting to see the extent of what that actually means. Um, that by protecting oneself, protecting um, by mindfulness, by by cultivating calm, by also knowing what is happening, what is the content of your mind. It's almost like, you know, we are fish swimming in water. And we also, we usually don't see the water that we swim in. Right? We have particular views, we have particular perceptions of the world, we have particular assumptions, particular framework. And I think through mindfulness and through practice, we can actually pause, and actually with a big dose of humility, with a huge dose of humility, huge dose of don't know mind, I don't know, I don't know, um, being open to discovering what, what is, what, what is our view, what is our perspective, what is happening, what it is the place that we are, we're caught, or there is rub. So, I'm going to pause a little bit and and um, let me think for a moment. So, because I like to have time for us to also have a conversation and have some interaction tonight. I think that that would be fun. It's always fun to do that instead of just a one-sided. So, maybe I'll say just a few more words and then we'll, we'll have some interaction together. How does that sound? Is that okay? Yeah, okay. So I want to say just a couple more words, and that is in terms of protecting and and, and caring for our minds. Um, Gandhi says, 
Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. Yeah, it's pretty... I think he's right on. And it all starts with beliefs. The beliefs, the assumptions, the unexamined assumptions that we have leading to our thoughts, leading to our words, to our actions. And then when actions become habits, then we're kind of caught. I think, I think, you know, the same way that in the 12 links of dependent origination, there is one place that it can uh, become, easiest place for it to become undone. So I think in this chain, the place that that it's easiest for it to get undone is actions and habits. Because when an action becomes habit, then the mind has gotten into that groove and just kind of does it unknowingly. And there's such a power to to habits. Um, so I can say more about that, but I'm going to pause because I do want to save some time. Um, I want to say a couple more things about something else, by the way. So about taking care, about taking care of our, our mind. So there is, of course, daily sitting, practice, meditation, mindfulness. There's also simple things, because if we can be mindful and know the state of our mind, there are very, many different things we can do, simple things. For example, sleep. It's so basic. It is so basic. Um, years ago, I, uh, when I was at Berkeley... I audited a course on on sleep, on sleep research. And it opened my mind to how important sleep is and and how little I was getting. <laughs> and and I remember this quote from, from that uh, course, which has stayed with me, and, and the quote is, um, the difference between hope and despair is a good night's sleep. And it's so interesting that I've thought about that so often because I've seen that in my mind late at night, if I'm really, really tired, I start to have really negative thoughts. Have you noticed that in yourself? I start to have really negative thoughts. So, so that's when I invoke this and I say, stop thinking. Just no more thoughts. No, 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 no more thoughts. Just go to sleep. Wake up tomorrow. Think about this topic when you wake up tomorrow. Just don't think about it anymore. So just simple things, but, but it requires mindfulness, right? It requires to know, like, wait, this is like the 10th negative thought I've had, and oh, it's late, oh, I'm ti- tired, oh, what's happening? So it's a simple thing, taking care of ourselves, taking care of others. Because um, probably at that time, it's not a good idea to get on the computer and you know, send an email to someone, you know, not a good idea. Another simple thing I want to bring up is, is actually um, eating. <laughs> Eating, blood sugar, eating on time. There's this concept of, I don't know if you've heard this word, um, to be hangry. Have you heard the word hangry? No? Okay, in the Urban Dictionary. And it's, 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 it's a new word, and actually it's pretty, pretty cool. So it turns out that it, it is a concept, to be hangry. And, uh, and this researcher... Um, Brad Bushman 
from I think University of Ohio, if I remember correctly. He did he did a study um, some years ago, and um, so it's it's actually been pretty well known. Uh, there are many studies that when people's glucose is low, they're grumpier and not as nice. Um, and um, but what he wanted to study was, uh, and actually you can Google this leader and listen to him on NPR. Um, he wanted to see, okay, so we know that's true for, for people you don't know, but how about people you love? How about your spouse that you love in a good relationship? So he took 107, I think, spouses, uh, pairs, I believe. This one, right? Yeah, 107. It's odd, so it must be 107 times two people. So they took 107 uh, couples. And what he did was, this is kind of fun, so he gave them uh, a blood sugar monitor, and he also gave them a voodoo doll. <laughs> a voodoo doll with pins. So the study was he had them measure the, uh, their glu- blood glu- glucose level, and, 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 and the voodoo doll would represent their partner. And, dep- and uh, every day or every night, uh, um, depending on how angry they were at their partner, th- they they could put pins in. They would put needles into the voodoo doll. And um, <laughs> and it's pretty wild. Actually, it's kind of fun to listen. He ha- I think he has a TED talk also, which I listen to, and he's quite creative in, in sharing the results. But apparently... Um, so, so the, the, the research showed that people who had the lower 25% of the of blood glucose um, levels in the study put twice as many pins in the voodoo doll. And there was the case, of, if I remember correctly, there was one person who used all, I, don't, I forget what the maximum pins was, 50 or 70? <laughs> they used the maximum number of, of pins. Um, so, so being hangry. So notice if you're hangry. You know, don't have a conversation with an important conversation, or or it, it just you know monitoring that. And it takes mindfulness if you're hungry to to realize that. I'll I'll, I'll share with one more quick study and um, another study about that uh, in Israel. They studied judges, uh, parole judges in 2002 in Israel and um, you would you would think that there would be a lot of factors right for uh, parole um, for parole judges you know previous incarceration availability of rehabilitation you know how many crimes they've done blah 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 okay the most important factor turned out to be and this is kind of scary but um, so in the morning, the f- first thing in the morning, the parole rate was 65 percent, and 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 by the way, the judges were being monitored, so there were people sitting there throughout the day, every hour, figuring. Yeah. So as the day went on, um, when as the day went on, um, before the meal, the pr- parole rate went down to zero percent. <laughs> right after a snack. It came back up to 65 percent. Um, in the afternoon, again, uh, it went down to. Uh, sorry, no, after lunch, it went back up to 65 percent. 
right after lunch when the glucose was up. So this is us. This is this equipment, right? To take care of ourselves and take care of others. So I can go on, but I think I'm going to stop now. There's so many ways we can take care of ourselves, thereby take care of others. So I think these are habits, and that's the direction I was going to take the talk, and I realized it was going to take way too long to talk about it. So I think there is such a power to our habits that they take over because the mind, maybe right before you go to bed, it's tired and it wants a little bit of, you know, kind of wants to be cuddled and oh maybe a little bit of Facebook will give me that satisfaction right it wants something right but it's it just has that habit and goes down that route so um, so I have a book recommendation for you and the book recommendation is um, The Power of Habit it's a really powerful book Um, it's a really and and basically you um it's not so much willpower, it's actually studying the pattern, really studying the pattern of, and as he, as he calls it, you identify the routine that you kind of fall into, that kind of messes things up, and then you identify, and then you um, ex- experiment with what the cue is. There's a cue that gets you into the routine. The cue is, oh, I'm feeling tired, or I'm feeling, I, I want, I, I'm feeling lonely, or some, there's some cue in the mind. There is some cue that gets the routine going, and then the reward is, oh, satisfaction of, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, oh, I don't know, just, you, you're checking Facebook, you kind of see this, you keep like scrolling, scrolling. There's some, there's, uh, there's some drip, 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 I think endorphins or something in the brain that kind of gets releases. That's, that's the reward, right? So you're getting some kind of reward. So, so you really study step by step what is happening. And then, when, and then with mindfulness, whenever you notice the cue, the cue is, oh, I need, you know, I want a little bit of this or I want a little bit of that or something is happening in your mind. Whatever that cue is, then you replace it with another routine, which gives you another reward. I'm just giving you a very short, brief version of it, and I hope this makes some sense. But check out the book. Either read the book or do the audio, but it's a really powerful, powerful book, especially for exactly what you're... It's just a habit. And, and the first few days, you set, you, know, you set up a new habit, and then it becomes... When the habit becomes strong, a new habit becomes the strong, then it just, you don't have to think about it. It just takes care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wish we had time for more comments. It's nine o'clock already and and it would be unkind to I won't be protecting you (laughs) by going over time. So thank you so much for coming tonight and for practicing together. May our practice together be a cause and condition for freedom of all beings everywhere, including ourselves. Mm. Thank you for your kind attention. And I have some flyers for, as uh, Jennifer mentioned, and some cards. Thank you. Thank you. Let me turn the
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.